Hello, and welcome to Unknowable, the podcast where we talk about all things mysterious, unusual, or unknowable. I'm Justine, and for this segment, I am all by myself. Um, I'm not sure which one of ours we will be playing first, so I'm going to talk to you guys as if you don't know what's going on yet. But this week for Unknowable, Gray and I were not able to coordinate recording together, which is something that very rarely happens, but it happens. So we decided that instead of putting off the episode by another week or messing with the schedule at all, we would just get creative and it's a lot easier to record by ourselves than together. We don't have to match up our schedules. So we figured we would just pick a topic and each do a, or pick a theme and each do a topic on that theme. Sort of how we did in the early days we've done several episodes like this but typically we still record them together but this is going to be kind of cool because we will each get to hear this episode and hear the other person's side of the theme for the first time ever um so i'm excited but the theme that we picked was haunted woods or haunted parks so mine is griffith park in los angeles which weirdly i can't keep can't stop thinking that I'm saying something with a lisp. Griffith. I just feel like it's, yeah. Anyways, Griffith Park is a large municipal park in, at the eastern end of the Santa Monica Mountains in the Los Feliz neighborhood of Los Angeles, California. Covers 4,310 acres of land, making it one of the largest urban parks in North America and the second largest city park in California. It has a number of popular attractions. Besides the park itself, it has the Los Angeles Zoo, the Autry Museum of the American West, the Griffith Observatory, and the Hollywood Sign, of course, among others. Um, And due to it being in a ton of different films and TV shows, it is among the most famous parks in the U.S. Um, So... Yeah, used for the road scenes in Sunset Boulevard. The tunnel was used in War Games... It was used in the first two Back to the Future movies, La La Land, the Nickelodeon show Salute Your Shorts, certain scenes of Full House, the original Invasion of the Body Snatchers, the Terminator. It's been in tons of different things, including some music videos. Um, Again, 4,300 plus acres. It has a lot to offer. So the history of the park, it started back in 1863 with uh, Dona Petronia, the teenage niece of wealthy land baron Don Antonio Feliz, who, for various different uh, versions of this, she essentially found herself cut out of the will. She um, was not very happy about that. It's unclear why exactly she was cut out. There are some versions that just kind of gloss over that. Some that are potentially exaggerated for entertainment say that Antonio Feliz was very ill and weakened from smallpox, um, dying of smallpox. And there was a a very influential local politician who supposedly took advantage of that weakened state and got himself as the sole beneficiary. Um, There was even a, a few stories that said that there was a stick tied to Antonio Feliz so they could make him, you know, look as though he was nodding in favor of giving all of his belongings to this politician. But who knows what the story is. Either way, she was super pissed. She very famously 
cursed the land, vowing it would never be profitable and that its owners would meet untimely or violent ends. Um, one of the quotes is, the wrath of heaven and the vengeance of hell shall fall upon this place. So she was very angry. Um, but this quickly started to come true. The man who got the property from Feliz was actually shot and killed while celebrating the sale of the land's water rights. He was having a party at a saloon and got shot. The next owner attempted to turn the ranch into a dairy business, but the cattle got sick and died. The grasshoppers and fires demolished all the crops. So it kind of was getting passed along from owner to owner who were just having a terrible time. Um, so along comes Griffith J. Griffith, a man who had become successful by investing in mining. He was a Welsh-born American industrialist and philanthropist, um, purchased Rancho Los Feliz in 1882. He originally started an ostrich farm there. So ostrich feathers were apparently pretty commonly used in making women's hats in the late 19th century, but his purpose was more to lure residents of Los Angeles to his property developments, um, which at this point were said to be haunted by the ghost of Antonio Feliz. So he was not having great luck either. At one point, a lightning storm brought down stands of trees and this wall of water cascaded through the canyon, ruined a lot of the ranch. Um, and there were ranch hands back then who supposedly saw Antonio Feliz's ghost riding the waves down the hillside cheering his successor's demise. Um, some stories say that it was both Antonio Feliz and Doña Petronilla that were riding this wave, and I just can't help but think of them, like, on an actual surfboard, just cackling and wearing sunglasses for some reason. I don't know. So, they were having a great time. So, but at this point, neither the ranch workers or Griffith would visit the property after nightfall. They were all terrified. Um, fully convinced that this place was indeed cursed and haunted on top of that. So he was terrified. The property rush peaked. He ended up just donating over 3000 acres to the city of Los Angeles um, in mid December, 1896. So he had the property for a little while, but just kind of dumped it. Um, then later Griffith was tried and convicted of shooting and severely wounding his wife in 1903. Uh, apparently he was convinced that her and the Pope were conspiring against him. And he ended up partly getting off on like, I think they referred to it as some type of like alcohol induced rage or something. Even though one of the stories that I read said that he was known to be a sober man. I have no idea. He only served two years in San Quentin. Um, but after being released, he attempted to fund the construction of an amphitheater, an observatory, a planetarium, and some boys and girls camps in the park. But the city felt like he just had too much of a bad reputation, too tainted. They didn't want his money. They didn't want um, anything to do with him with this park. So several years later, uh, 1912, he designed 100 acres of the park at its northeast corner, designated, wow, 100 acres of the park along the Los Angeles River to be used uh, to, quote, do something to further aviation. Not really sure what the story is there. But they ended up building the Griffith Park Aerodrome, 
which eventually passed to the National Guard Air Service before it was closed in 1939. Um, And then he basically just set up a trust fund for the improvements that he envisioned for the park. And when he died in 1919 of liver failure, the city began to build what he wanted and there were other donations of land, there were city purchases, and then some land was reverted from private to public. And so now it's at its current size, thanks to that. Um, so it had, on top of all of that stuff that's already happened, it continued to have some not so great things go on. Um, in October 1933, over 3,700 men hired as part of a welfare project were in the park clearing brush when a fire broke out in the Mineral Wells area, ended up killing 29 men and injuring another 150. Um, thankfully was put out after only taking down like 47 acres. Um, 1941, after the bombing of Pearl Harbor, a camp contained within Griffith Park was converted to a holding center for Japanese Americans arrested as, quote, enemy aliens before they were transferred to more permanent internment camps. Um, There ended up being over 500 Japanese Americans confined in Griffith Park over those couple years and then eventually became a POW camp um, for German, Italian, and Japanese prisoners of war, which operated until early August 1943. In May 1961, another wildfire on the south side of the park burned over 800 acres and destroyed many homes in the Beechwood Canyon area. There was another fire in 1971. Um, It just, I mean, that's just the bigger notable fires. There were many fires in the canyon or in the park. Um, In the 1970s, Griffith Park was a preferred dumping ground for the Hillside Stranglers. Those were uh, two serial killers who terrorized LA from, I think, 1977 to 1978, who killed about 10 different people. And it has been a final resting place for many a murder victim over the years. Um, Just a quick Google brought up a decapitated body in December 2019, a human skull found in 2016, another severed head wrapped in plastic in 2012. That's just just a few. Again, many acres of land, lots of, you know, deep woods and hiking trails. We've talked about missing people on hiking trails before. There's a lot to be said for people dying in that big of a space of land, whether it's murdered or dumped or accidental suicides, um, all kinds of different people met their demise in that park. In 1976, a young couple died from being crushed by a falling tree while making love on a picnic table. Pretty intense. Um, And in May 2007, a major wildfire burned more than 800 acres, destroyed the bird sanctuary, and forced the evacuation of hundreds of people. Um, It almost took down... One of the biggest playgrounds in L.A., Shane's Inspiration, uh, the Los Angeles Zoo, and the Griffith Observatory. But thankfully, they were able to control it before that happened. Um, But huge fire. For me, these fires are almost more the wildlife that was being killed than people. Um, There was that big one that I mentioned that did kill some people. But as far as the fires go, you know, you're still ravaging through wildlife. And there's still a lot of animals and other living creatures that are going to die in the the span of that. So a little bit traumatic. Um, So yeah, a little bit of a riddled history. Nothing too crazy besides that fire has happened in recent years, as far as I could tell, but it has uh, a lot going on and it's, 
its history, which has been pretty lengthy so far. So it's got quite a few supposed hauntings. Um, All kinds of crazy things have happened. So there's a story from California folklorist Horace Bell wrote that in 1896, the ghost of Don Antonio Feliz appeared at a party celebrating the transfer of the land from Griffith to the city. So this is pretty intense as far as a ghost story goes. This is not some people saw like a misty figure like floating around. This is like they were having a party. Um, This ghost, apparently looking very solid and human in form, took a seat usually reserved for Griffith and proclaimed, quote, I come to invite you to dine with me in hell. In your great honor, I have brought an escort of sub-demons. What? The lights went out. There were all these gongs and cymbals just loudly filling the room. Um, and apparently all the guests just ran the hell home before they had a chance to meet these sub-demons. So that's pretty wild as far as stories go. And of course, being the late 1800s, who the hell knows? There's no proof either way. Um, but sounds pretty awesome. Um, so obviously Antonio Feliz is said to haunt the park in various forms. Um, the ghost of Dona Petronilla, the spurned niece is said to haunt the land. She is sometimes seen as a lady in a white dress appearing to hikers and visitors. She, um, is occasionally seen riding a white horse around midnight She apparently specifically is said to haunt the Crystal Springs Ranger headquarters, which is also called the Paco Feliz Adobe. She watches from the Adobe's windows on dark and rainy nights. She never actually lived in this Adobe, but it's the only remaining structure from that time period. So it's possible that she's just hanging out in there because it's familiar. Um, Again, Antonio Feliz has been seen riding the park's trails and laughing crazily on top of large rocks. I don't really know like standing up on these big rocks and riding waves of water. I don't really know what this guy's deal is, but uh, there's a ghost girl that has been seen throughout the park who seems to be looking for help. The rumor says that she was abandoned in the park and eventually died from exposure. And now she is looking for the parents who left her behind, which is super sad. Why did she have to be abandoned? Couldn't it just be that she got lost? They couldn't find her, but no. Um, Actress Peg Entwistle, famous, infamously, infamous, I don't really know if that's the word, but uh, famously leapt to her death from the H in the Hollywood sign in 1932. Um, she was in her early 20s. So she, her ghost is said to startle hikers as well. She appears in all of her 1930s Hollywood garb. Um, she's been seen wandering the park's trails as well as walking up the path between the Hollywood sign and her former residence on Beechwood Drive leaving the smell of gardenia, her perfume scent of choice, lingering behind her. So, that's super sad. Um, The picnic table where the couple were crushed to death while making love is apparently a really odd energy source. I don't know that I saw any stories specifically about that couple haunting the park, per se, as far as people seeing them. Um, But there was an article on CaliforniaCuriosities.com that has photos of the picnic table, and I don't know what year these were taken, but supposedly the table is still there with the tree still on it. And again, I don't know what year this was, if it's maybe been removed since then, if it was completely fabricated. I've never been to this park. I can't attest to this, but 
there were photos of the table with a tree on it, as well as these various small little gifts and flowers and things like things that people would bring to a grave. Um, and somebody has painted on the table, RIP Rand and Nancy with three very enthusiastic exclamation marks, as well as the date of their death, which I believe was Halloween 1976. Um, yeah, I don't know if that's true that it's actually still there, but supposedly attempts to remove the tree have been unsuccessful. There have been voices heard saying things like leave us alone or next time you die. Um, and apparently some of the tree trimmers that have attempted to remove this tree have either gone missing or died suddenly including one man who supposedly had a heart attack on the scene. I don't know, again, if that is documented to be true or if that's just a fun story, but it is a fun story. Um, Lori Stinchield, pet psychic, writes that when she and her film crew visited the old zoo grounds in July 2010, she, quote, buckled over in nausea and envisioned malnourished big game cats resorting to cannibalism, among other suffering animals. I'm not a huge fan of zoos and I know a lot of things can go very wrong in all kinds of any instance where there's animals in enclosures and animals being kept somewhere for entertainment. Um, we all saw Tiger King. So I would not doubt that at all. Apparently even now strange animal noises can be heard at the old zoo at midnight. There is one of the pictures I saw sort of, it looked like it had been a structure as part of the zoo that is now like an area where there's picnic tables where people can just hang out and eat lunch or whatever. Um, but people have said that being there at night, especially you hear these terrible like moans and groans of these animals that sound like they're in pain. So it's really sad. And in addition to spirits, there is said to be a frightening creature that stalks the grounds. Three witnesses described it as humanoid of some sort. They said its legs were very long as well as its feet and it was taking huge strides, and it made its way down the street. Its back was bent, and its neck was very long and bent forward. It had mostly black eyes with just a tiny bit of white, transparent greenish skin, and wearing nothing but white pants and black shoes. God, I wish Gray was here to talk to you about this, but yeah, some kind of terrifying creature was seen. I, Again, I don't know if this was the only people who have seen something like this. There have been some other stories that I read about people seeing what looked like giant coyotes and things like that. Um, again, with such a huge space of land, it wouldn't surprise me that there were some weird things going on. So I'm not going to deny it, but yeah. So on top of all the ghosts that you might see. And um, <laughs> one of the things that I found as far as there's not really any theories about this particular topic, that's kind of, for me, the fun thing about a, a ghost story or a haunting is that there's not really anything to explain it away, I guess. I mean, it, it is what it is. Either people believe that they see things or hear things or they don't. I think in some ways people need to be primed for that to some degree, not to the extent that you are just letting yourself imagine it. But I think being a believer or being open to that type of thing plays a role in whether or not you experience, um, spirits presence so I don't think there's really any it's not like our typical topic where there can be like oh well these are the explanations for what might really be happening I think it's just you know for a ghost 
sighting, it's either you saw a ghost or you saw a person. I mean, there's not really anything else there. So, but as far as some skepticism goes, in 2002, Griffith Park's chief ranger, Albert Torres, I don't know if he still is, but he scoffed at the notion that visitors had anything to fear. Quote, frankly, I'm not afraid of any make-believe demons as much as I am of some of the living and breathing human monsters who come here. If you knew even a quarter of the stuff we find within the park's perimeter, you'd never set foot in it again. Animal sacrifices, satanic cults, murders, prostitution. With stuff like that happening on a regular basis, it makes a pair of 30-year-old ghosts look like good times. So, he's not convinced. He thinks the park is scary enough on its own. So, take it as you will. Um, It's fascinating to me that there is so much history in such a park. There was so much kind of set up for there to be these hauntings or, you know, at least this curse, um, which is kind of fascinating. So I don't know. I'd love to hear from any of you. Again, it being a huge park in Los Angeles, I'm sure there are probably some of you who have been there who maybe live near there, who go there regularly. Um, if you have, if you've seen anything, if you've heard anything about the park, if there's anything that's kind of known in the area, I know there are also some really, awesome non-park related things that are very close to the park that I wish I could have delved into. But, um, but I'd love to hear from you if you've been there or know anything about it. If you have any, especially any more intimate knowledge of the park, I would love to hear from you to see what your thoughts are. Do you think it's haunted? Do you have any weird feelings while you're there? Um, yeah. What do you think? So that's my haunted park, Griffith park, Los Angeles. All right. That is this episode of Unknowable. Love you. Hello, and welcome to Unknowable, the podcast where we talk about all things mysterious, unusual, or unknowable. I'm Gray. This week, as I'm sure you've guessed, we are each doing a solo episode. Um, We're both talking about haunted forests. So Justy recorded hers, and here's mine. Um, I'm talking about the Devil's Tramping Ground, which is located in North Carolina. Um, It's Devil's Tramping Ground, not Stomping Ground, which I thought was quaint and antiquated. Um, It's located in Bear Creek, North Carolina, which, if you look at it on my Google Maps, is in what I would describe as the ship middle of nowhere in North Carolina. It's literally just woods and woods and woods far away from the coast, as far as you can see. Um, You know, it's in Bear Creek, North Carolina, which sounds like it's something, but in reality, if you look at it on a map, it's just a tiny little town. Um, So this is an unusual haunted forest in that it's not the forest itself that is purported to be haunted, but rather a um, weirdly bare clearing in the middle of the woods that is said to be haunted. So to picture it in your head, it's basically just dense, dense woods with kind of like a country road cutting through it. And off of that country road, there's like a little turnoff, um, like a little dirt road. And probably a hundred yards in, there's a bare dirt circle of earth that is in the middle of the woods. Um, pretty circular. Um, and no vegetation will grow on this bare circle of earth. Since at least the 1800s, I think 1889, it's been reported that nothing will grow in this circle of dirt in the Devil's Tramping Ground. Um, 
The folklore says that the reason that the earth is constantly bare and nothing will grow there is because the devil himself comes up from hell and paces in this clearing to think of new ways to kind of fuck over humanity. So that was a very weirdly kind of quaint mental image that I had of, you know, Satan down in hell. I'm sure hell is loud as hell. They're just loud as hell. Um, you know, people being tortured, skin flayed from their bones, um, probably just a lot of screaming and metal against metal and chains and just a loud, terrible place to think. So it's kind of funny that Satan himself couldn't invest in, I don't know, soundproofing materials or move his office to like a quieter part of hell. But instead he comes up to, you know, quote unquote, God's creation and has to find this quiet patch of woods, which before Columbus, you know, quote unquote, discovered the, the uh, America, um, I'm sure these woods were even more quiet, but he has to come to this like quiet neck of the woods in North America to like think, think of new ways to fuck us over. Um, so that's kind of like the, the folkloric explanation as to why this patch of ground is so bare. Um, and, you know, as time has progressed and we as people have progressed, there's kind of more uh, scientific in quotes approaches that people have taken to ex- trying to explain this, um, this, this bare patch of ground, um, you know, from this. So supposedly one of the legends is, um, so the devil will come up and dance or think in this circle. Um, one of the, one of the versions is he comes up here to dance, which I guess if you think of the end of the movie, the witch, where there's sort of like Satan and like all of like the the witches are all kind of like dancing in like a circle in the like like floating in the sky. I guess that's what I pictured him dancing. Um, but supposedly, if you take any object and you put it in the middle of this dirt circle overnight, when you come back, it will have been thrown into the woods, no matter how heavy it is. So I mean, I don't know who knows what kind of like scientific rigor has been put into this but like if you put a car there would that end up in the woods i didn't see i didn't see anything but you know supposedly no matter how heavy something is because satan comes up and he sees that there's something in his his thinking circle or his dancing circle and he just throws it into the woods because he needs to pace and dance or whatever um as time has progressed there's been alternative theories um you know one of those is that this is a a landing spot for UFOs. Um, you know, it's a perfect, not perfectly circular, but very circular, um, clearing in the woods. Um, the craft wouldn't be huge if it landed here, but it could fit a a decent sized craft. And, um, the explanation would be that either, either a craft landed here and irradiated the dirt so completely that it has not been able to grow any vegetation for, you know, 120 years since, um, or that craft are continuously landing in this spot. And maybe that could explain why these heavy objects are being moved because the craft, you know, goes to land and sees there's, I don't know, whatever, whatever object you've left there, a crate of apples or something. And it beams that object up and drops it in the woods so that it can make a, a safe and and clean landing. Um, 
So the continuous visitor theory, um, I think is more likely because if, if one craft had landed and there was this like incredibly irradiated dirt, somebody would have noticed or somebody would have gotten sick or there would have been higher instances of leukemia or something in this area if there was that much radiation that it lasted over 100 years. Um, so I think it, if anything, it would be more likely that craft continue to land in this spot and kind of use it almost as like a, a, you know, a landing strip for the to put down their UFOs. Um, but then that begs the question, like, why here? You know, like I could, I could see them. It makes sense to me that UFOs would kind of be circling the earth, looking at interesting and weird, uh, you know, geographic features or cities or towns or human made things, or maybe finding people to abduct and study. But this area is like, it's like nothing. It's literally just the middle of the woods. Um, there's not even anything like there's not even like really near like mountains or anything. It doesn't seem like an area where you would continuously land unless it's just like a, I don't know, like a recharge station. Maybe, uh, we'll get into the idea of in, um, you know, there being an energy source here, but it could potentially be sort of like a charging station, like for an electric vehicle kind of deal. Um, supposedly there's a column of energy that is involved here. So that could be it. Um, so let's just talk about that. So another theory is that there's a, a column of what is called Magdalene energy, as in like Mary Magdalene, Magdalenian, Magdalene. Um, and this is sort of related to like sort of crystals and crystal energy. The idea is that at this particular spot in North Carolina, there is a column of energy that is... It, like it's unclear to me whether it's radiating from the earth, like coming from like the core or if it's like a beam that goes through the earth. And so there's like a logical, you know, on the opposite side of the planet from the devil's tramping ground, there's another equal size circle where their beam of energy is going through almost like a, a toothpick through a, a olive. Um, but anyway, so supposedly there's this column of energy that is going through this spot, the devil's tramping ground and this energy is related to crystals. If you go into this this circle with your your various crystals or whatever, you can sort of like recharge them or you can use them for healing purposes. Um, not super up on the crystal lore. And honestly, I'm not super convinced by the crystal lore, not necessarily because it's not true, but just because I've never seen anything that has convinced me that crystals are a real thing. Um, I mean, I think crystals are like cool and beautiful and I see why people collect them, but whether or not they have healing properties, you know, the jury's still out in my book. But so supposedly, yeah, this, this devil's tramping ground is a, a column of Magdalene energy and that's why nothing will grow there. Um, which, you know, take that for what it is. So theoretically, I guess the UFOs could be using this Magdalene energy to like recharge. So say they're off doing whatever they're patrolling. I don't know if they're on the East coast of the United States, they could be checking out anything from like the Pentagon to the white house or maybe somewhere in Atlanta or something. Um, but then they have to recharge because they've been out driving. You know, I'm sure UFOs have to charge. Although I would think the UFOs would be 
like nuclear energy or some kind of renewable energy where they don't need a, a fresh energy input. It would be like self-generating, like even like fusion or something. But anyway, so whatever. So let's say that there's this, you know, universal crystal energy that the UFOs use and they know that the column of uh, crystalline energy is coming out of this spot in North Carolina. Maybe it's just like an electric vehicle parking station for UFOs. They just kind of settle down in the woods there and like just sit and recharge and then take off. Um, I wonder how long it takes, you know, is it like a, like a, a, a Tesla where you got to wait, you know, a couple hours or who knows. Um, so that, I mean, I'm more inclined, like if I were to believe the UFO continuously landing theory as to why this patch of ground is constantly bare, having an energy source there to recharge it would make the most sense. Cause to me, it doesn't seem like there's anything else of interest, why they would continuously return to the spot so often that it would leave the ground barren. Um, so another very interesting theory that will actually connect to another one of our old unknowable episodes is supposedly there was a native American battle that took place at this spot um, where two tribes clashed and they, it was like, you know, like this spot was supposedly like a, a ceremonial ground where they would do, um, you know, dances and rituals. Um, and the two uh, native American tribes clashed here and they fought on this sort of like sacred Holy ground. And because so much native American blood was spilled on this ground, um, the, you know, whatever life force, the energy that the ground absorbed is preventing anything from growing there almost as like a, a marker of this place. Like this is a sacred, this was sacred ground and it's also where sacred blood was spilled. Um, another theory is that there was this battle that took place between native Americans and this spot was where a great chief was buried. Um, so the theory is that this Native Americans fought, clashed, and one of the two tribes was forced to kind of flee, and they fled to the east coast of North Carolina to um, the area that was now where the, um, the, the um, oh man, wow, this is great podcasting right here, just me stammering over my words. I'm trying to connect this to the story of Roanoke. So the idea is that these Native Americans who fought this battle were forced to flee, went to the east coast of North Carolina, and were the Native Americans that the um, British settlers discovered when they came, or, you know, discovered in quotation marks, when they came to the United States, and or what would become the United States. And the chief of these um, Native Americans was... Croatan or Croatoan. And so the this Native American tribe that had this great spiritual energy came to the East Coast, met the the um the British settlers, um, either massacred them or whatever. Go back, go back to a Roanoke episode to hear our theories on Roanoke. Um and so this great chieftain Croatan is actually buried in the devil's tramping ground. And because he was imbued with so much spiritual energy, nothing will grow there because he's just irra like radiating this spiritual energy. So I guess the idea is that 
I mean, when me and Justy did the episode on Roanoke, we kind of came to a very, um, I don't know, like pedestrian answer as to what happened to the colonists and why the word Croatoan was carved into the tree. But I guess this kind of takes a more mystical theory that maybe this lost tribe that were imbued with the spiritual energy, um, when they met the the colonists, they somehow used that magical energy to like overtake the colonists or something happened. And that's why they carved Croatoan into the, the tree because that was the chief who was taking them hostage or who was massacring them or something. Um, so it's, I just thought that was an interesting little, little tidbit that potentially, you know, two unknowable topics, the devil's tramping ground and, you know, the lost colony of Roanoke are actually connected. Um, then there is the very pedestrian answer about what is happening at the devil's tramping ground. So the North Carolina department of agriculture tested the soil and found that, um, the, the soil is sterile due to extremely high salt content, which is why nothing will grow there. Um, which was weird to me. I should have maybe looked this up, but the phrase, you know, the salt of the earth, you describe a person who was like, good and hearty and who just like keeps the community going you describe that person as a salt of the earth person so does salting the earth make it sterile or does salting the earth actually improve growing the crops that's a question i have but i guess the high salt content is what prevents anything from growing in this this circle called the devil's tramping ground so that might be the literal truth but if i were to choose you know my theory as to what's going on I like the idea of there being such a strong spiritual presence in this area that it prevents plants from growing and that it also throws any kind of debris or like anything left in the circle into the woods. I like that theory. Um, I guess I would lean towards the more, you know, Native American centered theory that whether it was um, a ceremonial kind of uh, like circle that then had native American blood spilled on it. And so the, this, the, the residue of, you know, these great spiritual people is preventing things from growing there out of respect. That would be the theory that I would ascribe to. Um, the UFO theory is, is compelling, but maybe if there was something near it, like even, even like a water source, even if there was like some, like, you know, major lake or underground aquifer. I guess there could be an underground aquifer, but there's no, there's no caves. There's no way to like extract that water from the ground. Um, so I, the UFO theory just seems to me as if it's just based on the size, the, the, the shape of the, the clearing. Um, and the whole devil angle I think is also very interesting. Um, I have to give it to sort of like, you know, 1800s people because it's a very like i don't know like conceptually interesting way of describing like you know i feel like nowadays you find like a bare circle and our our we're just gonna say like oh yeah there's probably some science there's probably i don't know some like arsenic in the soil or salt in the soil that's preventing things from growing and we would have a very rational scientific explanation in our head and so i i appreciate that the you know the people from the 1800s were so whimsical with their explanations like oh it must be um yeah the devil comes up here and dances and or he comes up here to like pace um which i guess is logical because it is a it is a circle but um 
kind of um it's also kind of like disturbing to think about too like again just watch the movie the witch that's kind of the best way that i've ever been able to like understand the kind of like just pure fear that you would feel as a as a col- a white colonist in america before the quote unquote settling of the you know the the american west you would just be you know there's disease there's like extreme religious people who are trying to impose their beliefs on you there's native american tribes that you see as hostile and barbaric um there's like wild animals everywhere you're living in these woods that you know it's not even like oh my you know my ancestors have lived in these woods for a long time so i like at least know what's here i know what animals there are i know what to expect here you're on a whole new continent you don't even know how far the continent goes you don't know what animals are here you don't know what fresh diseases are here you don't even know what other humans live here and so you're just living in the woods and you see this bare patch of woods and you're like, you know what that is? That's the devil. That's where the devil comes to, you know, do his thinking so he can fuck over humanity. Um, yeah. So I appreciate that. I, I, I like the, I like the devil theory as well. Honestly, the true answer is probably the salt as much as I don't want it to be. Um, but yeah, that's a, that's kind of that's kind of what I got for the the Devil's Tramping Ground. Um, go online, Google it, look at some photos of it. Um, it's it it definitely the the photos definitely have kind of a a creepy vibe to them. Um, you can kind of feel a little bit of like malevolence coming from the photos. So that's why that's why I was drawn to this topic. Um, and just you know everything from a satanic explanation to a you know lost colony of roanoke explanation that's a that's always an interesting cross-section for me so yeah um go and check us out on instagram and facebook at a knowable podcast um check out our patreon we just added a whole bunch of new levels um if you want to hear me reading um you know kind of scary and spooky unknowable adjacent stories um i think that's our third tier um so yeah go on to patreon and become a patron and you can get access to all kinds of cool new stuff including our our soon to be released um bonus feed of unknowable adjacent movies and tv shows um yeah so i'm gray and this has been unknowable love you